Today, we're talking about the strengths of this Florida Gator football team this fall, the women's basketball team in their game against LSU on Sunday. And we'll wrap up by talking about the still undefeated Florida Gators softball team only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Tuesday. I am Brandon Olson. You can follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all my written work with Whole9Sports.com. I'm getting right into today's content. We're talking about what the strengths of this Florida Gators football team will be. And I think when you look at just everything that's happened, because we're talking offense, defense, special teams, all that fun stuff. When you look at everything that happened with putting this coaching staff together, the hire of Billy Napier, the firing of Dan Mullen even, you look at where this team was weak and where they want to fix things and where they want to grow. And I think when we look at the biggest thing that will change, I think we're going to be talking about IQ, the mental aspect of the game. I mean, offensively, we know that the Gators, we, I mean, I spoke about this extensively over the past few weeks too, where we know that the Florida Gators are going to run a lot of pre-snap motion. They're going to try, try to confuse people by just running those motions, whether it's snapping while someone's in motion, letting them get set and snap. And I, I think that's something that people overlook often, but the point of that is to help you identify the defense and to also make the defense think and have them make any mental errors if possible. And I think that's something that the Florida Gators really want to do. Like I, I think that's going to be something where Florida's going to say, hey, we're going to make them screw up because we're playing relatively safe offensively. So if we can make, if we can get them to make a, a mistake here and there, I think that goes a long way when you talk about how much this team can really uh, find success this season. So I think offensively, we're going to look at IQ and defensively, we're going to look at IQ. There's two other strengths. Don't worry about that. But right now, defensively, I think the IQ is going to be a big thing because we've gone in depth about Patrick Tony's defense and his love for creepers and sim pressure. And if you don't remember, just a quick brief overview of that. Creepers is when you show that you're going to rush four. You do rush four, but one of the defensive linemen drops back and an unorthodox rusher comes in, whether it's a safety, a linebacker, whoever it may be. And that's what creepers is. Sim pressure is you show six, but you rush four, whichever one that may be. So I think that's something that Florida is really going to work at because you want to make opposing quarterbacks see one thing pre-snap because that determines a lot. When you look, when you look at a quarterback pre-snap, and I go in college, maybe quarterbacks aren't as relied upon, but it, it still matters a lot, especially when you look at the RPO game. But you, you want to make quarterbacks see one thing pre-snap and then – once you snap it, something completely different happens. And then it's like, well, how good of a quarterback is this? Because he's going to have to make adjustments on the fly. Like, that's not something he can check out of or check into. He needs to be able to immediately make these adjustments if he wants his team to find success. And I, I think Patrick Tony's going to have a lot of fun messing with these college quarterbacks, talking about creepers and sim pressure and, and just disguises that he's going to be working at. Coverage is going to be a big strength for the Florida Gators, I think, especially um, like defensively, the strength will be coverage. I've been very openly high on the secondary talent that we have in Gainesville right now. I think an outside corner, you roll with um, you know, Jaden Hill, Jason Marshall Jr., and Avery Helm. You roll with any of them, any combination, any combination of the three of them, and I think that you've got 
a very stout secondary. And also, I'm not opposed to the idea of getting all three of them on the field at once. I realize that a lot of people have been like, no, it needs to be Jason Marshall and uh, Jaden Hill, or it needs to be Jason Marshall and Avery Helm, or Jaden Hill and Avery Helm, whatever it may be. Um, but I think that doesn't make a ton of sense when it's like, during spring practice and summer, we'll, we'll see if they can play in the slot consistently. And if they can, I think that you have to take that opportunity. You, you take whichever one is most well-equipped to handle the slot. And I, I can say who has the quickest change of direction or who has this, but a lot of working in the slot is just, you need to try it to figure it out, which is why I know I can't do it. Um, so a lot of working in the slot is you need to try it to figure it out. So I think Billy Napier, Patrick Tony, you guys should, try out these that any combination of those three with one of them in the slot and just see what you could do to get your best three corners on the field at all times. Cause I think they're that good in coverage, especially where if one is solid against the run and, and is fine working in the slot, then, then you let them do that. Cause I think we need to get them all on the field as often as possible. And then when you look at safety too, there's a ton of talent here. Like, and I mean, we can talk about, the two that are going to play the most, if you want to. We could talk about Rashad Torrance and Trey Dean, who are going to be playing the most. We could talk about Donovan McMillan coming in. We could talk about Kamari Wilson coming in. We could talk about whoever you want, Corey Collier. I don't care. But the two that are going to play the most are Rashad Torrance and Trey Dean, and I'm really excited for that because I think with Florida this year, we'll see a lot of cover three and a lot of cover one, and I think Rashad Torrance is going to be the deep safety in the huge majority of those cases. He's going to be that center fielder that Florida is going to have. And Trey Dean is going to be kind of free to be a chess piece. You know, I've compared Patrick Tony to Baylor's defense because Baylor is, I mean, their defensive coordinator is Ron Roberts, which is, if you don't know, Patrick Tony's mentor, as is Dave, or Ron Roberts is also the mentor of Dave Aranda, the current Baylor head coach. So this defense, there's a lot of parallels between Florida's defense and Baylor's defense. And, I think if you look at Baylor last year and you look at Jalen Petrie this past season and you look at Jalen Petrie and you see how versatile he was, I think we see Trey Dean do that a lot. Um, where it's like he might not be amazing at any one thing, but he's going to be good at everything we ask him to do. And and that's going to be big for Florida to find success defensively. He's going he's to be a chess piece for them, and that that's awesome. He's going to be a Swiss Army knife. Offensively, I think the strength is going to be in the red zone. I think once we get into that 20 – it's going to be really hard to stop them because you look at Florida and it's going to be a run heavy offense. We know that that that's what Billy Napier is going to do. He wants to run the ball a lot. And that's great because like I've said, this offensive line individually, I'm not super high on them, but when you look at as a unit, I, I think that they can really make some stuff happen here. And, and I'm excited to see how the running backs work. So I think a run heavy scheme bodes well for when you're in the red zone, because a lot of teams that are vertical passing and air raid, it's kind of hard to make some stuff happen in the red zone because coverage is a lot, um, I don't want to say easier, but it's a lot tighter in the red zone because there's a lot more people and a lot less space. So I think being a run-heavy scheme is going to help a lot. I think quarterback mobility is going to help a lot. Assuming Anthony Richardson wins the starting quarterback role, it's going to be, I think it will be Anthony Richardson. Um, I think he has a lot. And hypothetically, if he doesn't win the starting quarterback role, I think he comes in during the red zone quite a bit and, and he gets some and he gets some work there because I think he's going to be a big part of the offense, whether or not he's a starter. I think he's going to be heavily involved. So in a run-heavy scheme, quarterback mobility, that's a big thing to have in the red zone. And then you look up big things in the red zone and you got the, the big red zone threat wide receivers. And if you play Madden, they're called physical receivers. And it, it's those big dudes where you got Xavier Henderson and Justin Shorter have a ton of size, a ton of physicality, and they're able to make these contested catches 
and we'll see them do that in the red zone, specifically Justin Shorter. I think he's going to be a monster in the red zone. I think he's going to make, I think he's going to make himself a lot of money this fall. I, I do. I think Justin Shorter is going to have a big year. And so I think when you look at the red zone, Florida's well equipped to kind of work their way into the red zone. And once they're in the red zone to really have their way with the opposition, I think that's going to be a big thing for Florida. I think IQ's big coverage, big and red zone offense will be huge for Florida this year. So I'm very much excited for those things. Anybody else make money this weekend? I did. I told you in yesterday's episode, I'm, I'm riding a little bit of a heater. You know, you ride the hot hand. I, I always use my right hand because that's just how, that's how I do it. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Obviously, Florida has kind of um, not been great for me, but I did take their money line against Auburn on Saturday, and that was that was, that was very good for me. BetOnline.net even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device, which is always how I do it, to sign up today. BetOnline.net, it's where the game starts. Looking next to the Florida Gators women's basketball team because I want to talk about them. You guys know I love talking about them. Tough loss to LSU. Uh, it was. It was. But the team's real. I just beat my lip. It was a tough loss to LSU. But the team is the real deal. We know We know that. Florida Gators, they're the real deal. Number 17 in the nation. Updated poll hasn't come out yet. But score is 66-61, which, um, you know, I, I think was very close. And, and it felt weird watching it because I want to say it felt close but it also felt like Florida was just always trying to get back into it you know Florida's like ah we'll make it two and LSU's like guess what so will we and and one so it was was, kind of hard to really fight back into it for Florida especially when they were shooting as poorly as they were from the free throw line and from three um and it, it, it was a little bit rough like Florida won 10 of their last 11 coming into the game so now it's 10 of their last 12. The only two losses came from number one, South Carolina, uh, three weeks ago at this point, and number 11, LSU. So you look at, and they're, they've won, what, five games against uh, AP top 25 teams. One of them was LSU earlier. And I think when you look at this Florida Gators team, it's like, I don't, like, this loss doesn't affect me. Um, it upsets me a little bit, but it doesn't affect my opinion of how far this team can make it and how good this team is. Because I think they've just shown consistently that they're a great basketball team. Um, I think that March Madness, we'll see them really... I think that's when we'll see them hit their stride, hopefully. Um, hopefully, Kelly Ray Finley can get them get them clicking on all cylinders at the right time. And, I mean, look, it, it's also like you look at this game, and it, it, it was stupid things. Like, that's the only way to put it. Stupid things are the reason that the Florida Gators lost this game. You look at free throw shooting and turnovers as the two main things. And you could look at shooting percentage overall. Florida shot um, 37% from the field. But two players missed a lot of those shots, which we'll talk about in a second. But you, you can talk about shooting too. But I think it's more important to talk about free throw shooting and turnovers because, I mean, with turnovers, you're literally just giving the ball to the other team. And with free throws, you're missing uh, just open opportunities at the free throw line. Uh, Kiki Smith had a horrible day. She finished, I think, three for nine from the free, from the free throw line. The Florida Gators shot eleven for twenty-two from the free throw line, and it was it was just really like fifty percent is just so awful. Like like that's bad for a bad college basketball team. Like that that is horrible. You you can't just not convert 
those opportunities as often as Florida didn't convert them. And 15 turnovers, that's a little bit more than Florida gets per game. You know, they average about 13 turnovers per game. But 15 was just – it was too bad in, in a game where you, you needed to take care of the ball. Like, I think that was completely unacceptable. You And Zivy Broughton and Kiki Smith, like, I've given them incessant praise this season. LSU, they dropped the ball. They shot a combined nine for 27. Um, it, it was about as bad as you can say at that point where, I mean, you, you look at the team and it's like, damn. Like, like a, a good majority of the team played damn well. Faith Dude, I don't know. If you didn't watch the game, Faith Dude attempted her first three of the season and drained it, and it was a clutch three. I believe there was less than a minute left on the clock, and Faith Dude drained a corner three. Uh, her first three-point attempt of the season drained it. She went two for 12 last year, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So it was like, okay, she just decided that's not part of her game. And then she did that. Uh, so that was pretty dope. But, I mean, for the most part, this team just shooting wasn't there. But, I mean, when you take out the nine for 27, the shooting percentage gets a lot better. So a lot of this team, a lot of this game was just Zippy Broughton and Kiki Smith weren't there. And I get it to an extent because um, Kiki Smith specifically was – clearly towards the end of the game just trying to get to the free throw line which i don't know why because she wasn't converting any of her opportunities but she was clearly trying to get to the free throw line and trying to get the lsu bigs in foul trouble or the lsu three through five in foul trouble which i understand but uh at a certain point you have to realize that like you're not getting as many calls as you want to get you're not converting at the free throw line so you you've got to stop driving incessantly we also have to find out what the latest is on Kiki Smith because late in the game with, I believe, 35 seconds left-ish, Kiki Smith drove to the basket. She got fouled hard, hit the ground hard, and left the game with what appeared to be – the commentators kept saying it was a lower back injury. To me, it looked more like she landed on her hip and hurt her hip. Um, so, I mean, I, I haven't seen anything since then about, you know, just what the extent is. I, I imagine she'd be back – pretty soon um like she walked off on her own power she was walking around afterwards i just think it was it was one of those things that just knocked her out for a bit i'd imagine she'd be back as soon as possible uh, she finished the game 13 points six rebounds and six assists so she still did her usual stat sheet stuffing it was just it was just not not her night shooting wise and or not her day shooting wise and i wish she kind of stopped earlier than she did but um it is what it is. But the team has been so good that taking a loss because of free throw shooting specifically, like that, that that was a huge thing. Taking a loss because of free throw shooting and stupid turnovers is really frustrating. Like it felt like watching the men's basketball game uh, a few weeks ago when they was just like, just, just ugly throughout. Um, sorry, a lot of men's basketball games and it was just ugly throughout. So, um, that one sucks where it's like, this is just a team that's been so consistent. But again, like if you have an off day, you have an off day. I'm not going to kill you for it. I still think it was one hell of a performance put forth by the Florida Gators women's basketball team. Um, Nina Ricards just had, I think I'd say her best game of the season. Um, shooting wise wasn't great, but I mean, 17 points on uh, 17 points and nine rebounds, which is like, and Nina is she's a a small basketball like she's a small woman on the court there she's usually the smallest one on the court but nine rebounds that led the entire game and there were multiple six four plus women on the court at multiple times um for pretty much the whole 
I think the entirety of the game, there was at least two six four women on the court, and Nina Ricards just out here just eating on the boards with nine rebounds. It was huge. Seventeen points for her it was big. Also, uh, she led the Gators in points. She led the game in rebounds. And it was just it was it was a rough one to watch. Not in terms of you know like Florida got Molly Wop, but it was rough to watch in terms of we know that the Florida Gators women's basketball team. It's usually a lot better. They are a lot better than they showed on Sunday. Um, and that just that just sucks to see when it's like, oh, like you could, you could have done so much more. You could have been so much more just coming out of that game. I think the momentum would have been huge if Florida was able to walk away with a victory in Baton Rouge. But also that crowd was wild. Like I, I get to an extent, I get the free throw misses because the crowd was wild. And like, I don't know if you've ever played competitive basketball, but if you miss a few shots and it's like, damn it, now I have to make one. And it's it, that pressure keeps building up as you keep struggling. Uh, but Alberto Rimdahl is cold-blooded. I'll say that. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless and, I mean, seemingly intimidating questioning, like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, bro? I don't know why they're a frat guy now, but whatever. And wait while the person behind the counter does the ordering on their parts on their computer for your parts for your car when you could just do it yourself. Like, you have computers with access to rockauto.com. And even I can do it. I tell you that all the time. I am awful. I'm not a handyman when it comes to cars. I can do stuff around the house. Not cars. This, that's just not my forte. It's like, that's nothing to me, but my family can, so I could just order the parts when they tell me what to get. And it's like, just, if you don't believe me, just go check out rockauto.com and just see how seamless and easy the website is to use. It, it, it's been, it's so easy. Even I could do it. Even a caveman can do it. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and make sure to write locked on in your, how did you hear about us box? So they know exactly who sent you to wrap up today's show. We are talking about the Florida Gators softball team and I'm happy to talk about them. The Florida Gators softball team, still, still undefeated. A 10-0 start to the season. It's a remarkable feat, and I don't want to be dramatic. You know, I, I try not to be dramatic. You guys know me. I'm very, very stoic and very, very calm and laid back, um, and I don't want to be dramatic, but the Florida Gators softball team may never lose a game for as long as I live. Um, sorry, they're definitely losing tonight now. Um, but they may never lose a game as long as I live. They are that damn good. Like, I mean, going into the T-Mobile tournament, we were like, look, none of these teams are awful. Like, we, like none of the teams were terrible going into it. Florida started on Friday against number 14 Duke, and Florida won that game 9-3. to three. Like, Florida is just on a tear right now to start the year. It looked like it was going to be a shootout, too, because if you didn't watch the game, first inning, it was 3-2 to two Florida at the end of the first inning. And we were like, ooh, we're going to see some runs in here. Um, and then Duke just completely fell flat after that. Lexi Delbray, who's like the, the unknown of the starting rotation here, she got the start before Elizabeth Hightower came in to pitch the second inning after that first inning where Lexi gave up two runs. Uh, and then Elizabeth Hightower stayed in for the remainder of the game strong game throughout she's i mean i don't even know how to say it. she's a monster that's all i can say about elizabeth hightower she is a monster skylar wallace had herself a bit of a day uh she went two for three at the plate with four rbis 
and a walk, including a solo home run in the first inning in which that opened up the scoring for the Florida Gators. So it's just a great game for Florida overall against their toughest competition to date where, I mean, look, I mentioned Duke lost one game going into the tournament and they also beat number five, Oklahoma state for nothing. So or number five at the time, Oklahoma state for nothing. So this Duke team was good. Like, like this is not something to just be like, Oh, who cares? It's early season rankings. Like Duke, Duke proved themselves early on and Florida just buzzsaw buzzsaw mode right now. Saturday and Sunday saw the Gators take on the Villanova Wildcats early on Sunday and then uh, early on Saturday and then later on Saturday, the Louisville Cardinals and then on Sunday, Florida A&M. And, but we'll talk about Saturday's games first. Florida won Saturday's games by a combined 13 to one after beating Villanova for nothing and Louisville nine to one. Natalie Lugo pitched a two hitter against Villanova, obviously a two pitch, a two hitter. Yeah, two pitch. A two hit shutout. Uh, she also struck out five in that game. She pitched the complete game. Florida's offense really, I mean, they didn't show up against Villanova considering what they'd done the rest of the season prior to that, where, you know, it was like eight runs, eight runs, eight runs, eight runs, 47 at some points. Um, they just went off, but they did only score two earned runs. The other two runs came from a Villanova error. And then you look at the Louisville game. And Florida's offense, once again, the bats just stayed on the shoulder. It was hard for them, not literally, but it was hard for them to get going. They were just quiet at the start, at the start. <laughs> I know that Florida won 9-1, but at the start of the game, it was very quiet. It was just one nothing going into the fourth inning, and then the Florida Gators came alive. They scored three in the fourth inning and really separated in the sixth inning, scoring five in that inning alone. Hannah Adams and Kendra Falby, both went three for three in the Louisville game. Hannah had two re- had two rebounds, two ribbies, runs batted in, and Kendra scored two runs herself. They've just been on fire to start the year, which is awesome. Lexi Del Bray pitched a two-hitter with one earned run against Louisville, and she had eight strikeouts. So, I mean, what was a rough start to the tournament for her on Friday where she pitched one inning and then got pulled, uh, she came back in the Saturday second game and lit it up. And I think that's big when you talk about Lexi Delbray, because like I said, she's the unknown here. Like we, we know Elizabeth Hightower is a beast, one of the best pitchers in college softball. And we know that Natalie Lugo has the potential to do so. Like she's a very solid pitcher and she's very consistent. And we saw her kind of turn it up against Villanova. And then it was like, okay, well, can Lexi Delbray really step up or will she be the, the, the weakest link there? Um, and she pitched a two two hitter with one earned run and eight strikeouts in that game against Louisville. And I think it's important to watch how you bounce back. Like that, like that's something where if you get pulled early, that can be a bit of a confidence killer. So it's important to watch how you bounce back from that. And I think Lexi did just that and, and kind of proved herself with this rotation a little bit. Sunday's game was more of the same for our Gators against Florida A&M University. The only scoreless inning for Florida was the first one. Uh, but it was consistent after that. Charlotte Eccles really came through in this one, who I know that I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned last week. I was like, she hasn't, you know, been the Charlotte Eccles from last season, but here we are this season. She came in big on this one, going two for two. She did get walked. She drove in three runs, including a two-run home run in the third inning. So she really stepped up and she really did her thing. And like I mentioned this on Friday's episode, where I think it's awesome to see 
just this softball team right now has been one lighting it up, but two, it hasn't been just one or two people lighting it up. It's been the entire pitching staff. The lineup is, you know, it, it's similar to Florida Gators women's basketball where it's like, well, if, if Kiki Smith doesn't go off, then uh, Zibby Broughton can go off or Zibby Broughton doesn't go off. Then uh, Nina Rickards can go off and stuff like that where it's like, well, if it's not Hannah Adams, it could be Kendra Felby. It could be Charlotte Eccles. It could be whoever. And I think this is just a good formula for sustained success in softball here. And uh, I mean, Florida Gators are monsters to start the year. The Florida Gators take on North Florida today and tomorrow. Both games are at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Be sure to check those out. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more about our Florida Gators. We'll probably talk about the weaknesses of this Florida Gators football team for this fall. And don't forget to check out Locked On Bets. If you like making money and you like betting, specifically using Bet Online, then make sure to check out Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis from Lee Sterling. And just make yourself some more money. They've helped me with a ton. For Locked On Gators, I am Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports. That is W H O L E N I N E Sports. And I will see you all tomorrow.